0: Welcome to The Humanist Report, I'm Mike Figueredo. Today's episode is brought to you by HostGator.com, you can get web hosting for 3.95 dollars and one-click WordPress installs all at HostGator.com. Just visit the link in the description box to save a few bucks. Now, on today's episode, we're going to be discussing a whole range of issues. First and foremost, we're going to be talking about Bernie Sanders and the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. We'll be discussing our favorite, Sarah Palin, um, as well as some other progressives such as Elizabeth Warren in the Weekly Roundup. And we will also be discussing some interesting new scientific findings, um... Namely, Earth 2.0, which is really, really cool. And also, Stephen Hawking is going to be funding a $100,000, or $100 million, excuse me, a $100 million search for extraterrestrials by using radio signals. So stay tuned, it's going to be a great episode. In the red state of Arizona, Bernie Sanders drew his largest crowd yet in Phoenix at 11000 That is more than uh, at Madison, Wisconsin, where he drew a crowd of 10,000. Now here's some commentary on this from
1: MSNBC. Over the weekend, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders drew his biggest crowd yet, I believe the biggest crowd yet, for a presidential campaign. Sanders drew an estimated 11,000 people at a rally in downtown Phoenix. ON SATURDAY NIGHT, AIDES SAID THE CAMPAIGN HAD ORIGINALLY BOOKED A THEATER THAT COULD HAVE ONLY ACCOMMODATED ABOUT HALF THE NUMBER OF PEOPLE WHO WOUND UP ATTENDING. IN ADDITION TO THE CROWDS, NEW DATA IS REVEALING THAT SANDERS, IS ATTRACTING MORE OF PRESIDENT OBAMA'S 2012 CAMPAIGN DONORS THAN HILLARY CLINTON. ACCORDING TO DATA MINING FIRM CROWDPACK, THE VERMONT SENATOR HAS RECEIVED CONTRIBUTIONS FROM MORE THAN 24,000 OBAMA DONORS WHILE CLINTON HAS ONLY TAPPED AROUND 9,000. WE LEARNED LAST WEEK THAT THE SANDERS CAMPAIGN HAS hauled IN ABOUT $15 MILLION IN TOTAL SO FAR. STILL A FAR CRY FROM CLINTON'S CAMPAIGN haul OF MORE THAN 46 MILLION. Is it, um, is it, is it news that he's that he's getting this this money and this support, Joe? Or is any are you surprised by this?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm surprised. I, I think it's uh, I think there's a parallel to Trump's rise in the Republican Party. <laughs> Nobody expected him to rise to the top of the polls. as a great disruptor. On the Democratic side, you have a self-avowed socialist who has risen uh, to this degree, and now he's getting even more uh, more. Money from Barack Obama's contributors. It's clear that Hillary Clinton is not uh, a choice that a lot of progressive Democrats are excited about. And when you start getting crowds of over 10,000 people at campaign events in the summer before a presidential election year, That's not insignificant. That's not sort of oh look, Bernie, that's cute. Oh, it- no. This suddenly, this suddenly becomes a significant political story, and suddenly becomes something that the so- Hillary Clinton camp does need to worry about.
0: Now, as stated in the video, he's attracted more than twice the amount of Obama's donors than Hillary Clinton at 24,582. Hillary Clinton has only attracted 9,101, while Martin O'Malley has only attracted 383. Um, Now, he's pulled in $15 million in campaign contributions so far, with the average being about $45, and most of it coming from small-time donors such as you and me, and basically none of it coming from large corporations. He has gotten some from unions, but again, the average is $45, which it says a lot about his campaign. Now, Hillary has admittedly raised three times that, and Jeb Bush has raised seven times that amount. But look, we shouldn't worry about that because even Bernie Sanders says, we're going to be outspent. That's something that is a given because we are not um, going to run a corrupt campaign. We're only going to take campaign contributions from small donors, such as real American citizens and not corporations, not billionaires and the one percenters. Um, So that's going to be expected, but his policies are right in line with the American people. So if he does win the primary and gets to the national election, well, then I'm not going to worry too much about that aspect. Now, I do have some problems with the discussion in the video, So he was compared to Donald Trump, which is the worst comparison ever because Donald Trump has a 0% chance of winning. He could never win a national election. I mean, he might be able to, which is unlikely, but he might be able to get the um, Republican primary. He might be able to win that because he's been surging in the polls after he said a bunch of racist things. But, I mean, that racist rhetoric is not going to resonate with the rest of the American people, who, by and large, are progressive on social issues. Now, Joe Scarborough also called him a socialist. Joe... (laughs) I don't know how many times i got going to defend Bernie against this. He's a social Democrat. He wants to really tax corporations. He wants to tax billionaires and reallocate that wealth to the bottom or average Americans. Now, look, we already have reallocation of wealth. It's just going from the bottom to the top. So that's not something that's controversial to say. I can say it, and it's not that big of a deal as the right will make it out to be. But look, overall, the bigger and bigger crowds that Bernie Sanders is gaining— the more and more clout, um, political clout more specifically, that he's acquiring uh, with the media. So this is fantastic. It really appears as though the media is slowly but surely beginning to take him more seriously, and they should. Bernie Sanders is a force to be reckoned with, and with how fast he's gaining percentage points, which, by the way, he's now at 22% in the national poll. That's seven points higher than the last poll, where uh, he was at 15%. So look, at the rate he's going, he's going to do very, very well. And the primary isn't until February of 2016. So we've got a lot of time, and Bernie has a lot of ground to make up on Hillary Clinton. And I think that this uh, showing in Phoenix, Arizona, by the way, again, a red state, well, guess what? It really gives us hope that he's going to do some big things in this primary. He's going to shake things up. At a Netroots Nation conference, Bernie Sanders was met with Black Lives Matter protesters. Now, here's a clip of that.
3: Wall Street Journal, Paul, uh, Wall Street.
4: One second, one second. Hold
1: on, hold on. I will
3: answer your question, but I'd like to speak for a few minutes. I was told that that...
5: Just a couple more minutes, and then we're gonna
3: get... What? I, I was told we had 15 yeah. minutes, right? Well, me oh. a little shorter than that, sir. A little okay. shorter than okay. that.
5: But go ahead, go ahead.
0: And then we're gonna get some specific questions.
3: And the issue, the issue is... Hold on one second. The issue is that it is, should I continue or leave? Yeah, hold on one second, hold on, hold on. It's okay with me. Listen, I don't have black lives of course matter and I spent 50 years of my life fighting for civil rights and for dignity. But if you don't want me to be here, that's okay.
0: Now, I want to clarify, when they were chanting, say her name, what they wanted him to uh, say was Sandra Bland's name and speak on that issue, as well as um, other African-American women who were either killed by police or who died in police custody. Now, here's Bernie Sanders' response to that protest.
3: What's your reaction to that? Did that blindside you? And critics uh, 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 critics say that you missed the point. Well, look, I was there and invited to be there to talk about immigration reform. That's what I was invited to do. So was I blindsided? Was I surprised? Of course I was. On the other hand, the issue that the folks there were raising about institutional racism in America is an absolutely vital issue that has got to be addressed, and I intend to address it. As I said a moment ago, our criminal justice system is out of control. The number of African-Americans and Hispanics who are in jails are disproportionately high. We have got to, from A to Z, rethink criminal justice in America so we do not end up having far more people in jail than any other country. Lives are being destroyed, right and left, and we've got to change
0: that. so here's the breakdown. This whole ordeal it really sparked a debate among the progressive community. Now, many of Bernie Sanders' supporters think that it's really unfair to critique Bernie Sanders given his history as a civil rights activist, because if, if you all know, he actually marched with Martin Luther King. Um, he's led civil rights sit-ins to uh, desegregate colleges and whatnot. Now, on the other side of the coin, you have the Black Lives Matter protesters who say that. Although Bernie Sanders uh, is great on economic issues, well, he hasn't really been paying too much attention to the Black Lives Matter movement and this particular issue of police brutality targeted against the African-American community. Now, they say that his civil rights history doesn't change the fact that he hasn't necessarily spoken out too much on behalf of the victims of police abuse. Now, here are my thoughts on the whole matter. Bernie Sanders is undoubtedly excellent when it comes to racial inequality from an economic standpoint, but we can all admit, even he can admit um, in that video, that he could have spoken out more on their behalf. Economic issues do disproportionately impact African Americans, but solving economic inequality is not going to automatically eliminate systemic racism or ameliorate police brutality. So all of Bernie's policies, universal healthcare, education, daycare, well this won't necessarily mean much to the African American community, if they're not alive, to actually benefit from them. So I really do feel their anger, and I feel that they do have legitimate grievance, and I think that it's very, very clear um, that Bernie Sanders feels their anger as well, and that their speech really resonated with him. So now, the good thing about this whole ordeal is that Bernie Sanders is on their side, and I think that in the the end, this is really going to benefit his campaign. Now, I'll kind of elaborate on this, but um, first and foremost, I do want to note that Bernie Sanders has previously stated support for all of the policy positions that they would support as well. So he wanted to provide federal funds to Vermont for mandatory body cameras in Vermont. Um, He also wants criminal justice reform. He wants to demilitarize the police. So now, the thing is that Vermont is mostly white. So even though a lot of us Bernie Sanders supporters already knew his stance on this issue, well, the problem is that non-white voters did not know his stance. So now that's kind of been the huge um, opportunity for improvement in his campaign is to really reach out to non-white voters. And he was mostly just doing that with economic policy, but now he realizes that, look— I've really got to speak out and become a champion for the Black Lives Matter cause. Now, overall, Bernie is great, but I think that we all know that he didn't handle it very well. And even he admits that he didn't handle it very well because, look, he's not like these other robotic politicians where they have something rehearsed. I mean, if somebody hits Bernie with a protest or if they try to heckle him... Um, then he's going to respond like a normal human being. He's going to be flustered. What any other politician would do was, oh my god, oh my god, they're, they're challenging me, they're protesting, I'm gonna jump to my very first talking point. But Bernie Sanders didn't do that, and I love that he has the ability to actually admit his fault. and I think this really says a lot about him as a candidate. So now here's the takeaway. In the end, this is gonna be good not just for Bernie Sanders' campaign, but for the Black Lives Matter movement. Now. First and foremost, Bernie Sanders already supported Black Lives Matter and supported all of their causes and the policies that would help ameliorate police brutality, but he didn't speak out on it enough. So now here's the deal. The same thing happened with LGBT rights. Bernie was an advocate of LGBT rights in the 70s and in the 80s, whereas Hillary Clinton, she only recently came around. I I even came out and I did a video saying, no, 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 Hillary Clinton is not the better candidate when it comes to LGBT rights. It's Bernie Sanders, and here's why. So now here's the deal. Black Lives Matter wanted a candidate to speak out on their behalf, and Bernie Sanders was very, very receptive to that. Now, to be fair, Hillary Clinton has also spoken out, but she wasn't at the Netroots Nation conference. So take that as you will. So now he's also given us a glimpse of what he would do uh, in terms of policy proposals to stop police brutality.
3: What specific reforms in policing would you want to see or what you're calling for? Oh, there's a lot that we have to do, Ed. <clears throat> We have more people in jail than any other country on Earth. Millions of lives have been destroyed because people are in jail for <throat> nonviolent crimes. So we have to take a look at mandatory minimums. We have to take a whole new look, I think, at our drug policy. We have to look at the militarization of police forces all over this
0: country. We have to take a look at use of force policy. So now, Bernie Sanders can really learn from this experience and grow. Part of getting support from African Americans is that you've got to get support from the Black Lives Matter movement because their endorsement is crucial for the Democratic Party. Any candidate, um, whether Democrat or Republican, well... You can't win the national election, obviously, without support from African Americans. And you're certainly not going to win the Democratic primary without the support of African American voters. Now, this is beneficial for the Black Lives Matter movement because they really needed a politician to champion their cause. Politicians, they really only paid lip service to them, and few have actually proposed specific policies that would address their concerns. Now, Bernie can now do that. So what's the bottom line? If you're a fan of bernie sanders this was a good thing don't fault the black lives matter movement because look they've been silent for too long and the matter that they're trying to get politicians to speak about is really really urgent this is a state of emergency i mean a lot of african americans have died african-american women as well and we kind of just focus on the men such as eric garner and whatnot um but we don't look at how much african-american women are also affected by police brutality so in the end um this is great all the headlines today um, with Bernie Sanders news, they're all saying how he's the first candidate to speak out and specifically name Sandra Bland. Now I'll get to that in another video. But look, I think it's only going to help him in the end. And I like that he really knows now what they want to hear from him. So this is fantastic. Bernie Sanders is the first 2016 presidential candidate to actually speak out on behalf of the Sandra Bland incident. Now, before we get to Bernie Sanders, I'll give you a little bit of context if you don't know about the situation. So Sandra Bland is a 28-year-old African-American woman who was pulled over by a police officer in Texas for switching lanes without using a blinker. Um, Now, after that, she later died in police custody. Now, here's some video footage. Get out of the car now, or I'm going to remove you. Mother. And I'm calling my. I'm going to yank Just you out of here. Okay, you going to yank me out of my car? Get out. Okay. Get out of the car. And then you I will light you, you up.
5: When she refuses, the officer attempts to remove her by force and appears to point a taser at her. Over there. Right. Yeah. Off camera, the situation escalates Let's further. About to break my wrist. Can you stop? You are about to break my wrist. Stop, stop now.
0: Stop it! Sandra Bland was found dead in her cell three days after her arrest. So now here's Bernie's thoughts on that situation. What you saw is a, an aggressive, overactive police officer
3: who dragged this woman out of her car, assaulted her, sent her to jail for what crime? A minor traffic violation. That happens all over this country and it especially happens to people of colour so we need a real hard look at the way police departments function in america uh, and we need to figure out a way that in terms of how we treat uh, african-american african-americans so that young people can walk down the street without having to worry about whether they're going to be harassed or shot
0: in the back. We got a lot of work in front of us. Bernie is 100% right as usual. I mean, it really is inconceivable that a white woman would be treated the same as this woman was treated. Now, you heard the officer in the video, right? I mean, he said, quote, I will light you up. And then he then proceeded to pull her out of the car and then you can hear her screaming. I mean, it really sounded like she was being tortured. And this is really just, it's really awful to watch. And um, it almost made me like queasy as I was watching it because it's really difficult to see another human being suffering like that. Now, even if it's the case that she actually did hurt herself in uh, jail, which is what they're contending, well, that's still a failure on the behalf of the Texas jail because, I mean, if you're in police custody, you should be safer than ever. I mean, you should be protected. But the fact that she was either able to hurt herself or someone killed her in jail It's absolutely mind boggling. I mean, this is 2015 and we have things like this happening. It's really sickening. Now, even though this case is getting a lot of uh, publicity, there are many other African American women who have either died in police custody or were directly killed as a result of police brutality. Now, I'm going to name them off and I'll tell you why in a second. Natasha McKenna, she died after being tased. Tanisha Anderson, she died after being put in the prone position by a police officer. Janisha Fonville, she was shot and killed, and there's others, uh, Yvette Smith, Miriam Carey, Shelley Frey, Darnisha Harris, Melissa Williams, Alicia Thomas, Chantelle Davis, Rekia Boyd, Sharice Francis, Ayanna Stanley Jones, Tarika Wilson, Katherine Johnston, Alberta Spruill, Kendra James, look, there's a link in the description box that really uh, describes in more detail what happened to all of these women, but here's the deal. This is why I'm saying their names. We have to say their names. We have to shine a light on what's happening it can't continue to go on and these victims they can't just get washed aside we all have to know about it the media needs to cover it and we really need to highlight what happened to these human beings now look this is a state of emergency people can't be dying this has this has to stop and really the matter is very very urgent something has to be done and something has to be done fast now bernie sanders is absolutely right to speak out on her behalf And I can only hope that he's going to adopt the Black Lives Matter cause. And if the last few days is any indication, that Bernie Sanders is very much intending to do so. I mean, look, no other politicians... Well, actually, no, Actually, I was going to say Hillary Clinton, but Hillary Clinton spoke about what she would do to actually ameliorate police brutality. But Bernie Sanders is the only one to actually name Sandra Bland. And that's really, really important. Because, I mean, if you're stating what you're going to do but it's more of just kind of a vague generalization or you're kind of touching on it, but you don't really want to say her name. Well, then that doesn't really show the Black Lives Matter movement that you're on their side. But what Bernie did was absolutely phenomenal. He stated her name. He did what they wanted. There's a hashtag going on right now that is hashtag say her name. I've tweeted about it if you follow me. And look, You've got to name all of them, you've got to shine a light on it, and Bernie Sanders is doing exactly what, is rightfully, uh, what he rightfully needs to be done, and also what I think should be done by everyone else and every other politician. In a Facebook Q&A, Hillary Clinton recently spoke out about what she would do to end systemic racism, and more specifically, police brutality against African Americans. Wesley Lowery, who is actually a journalist, asked the question. He says, you chose not to speak at Netroots Nation this weekend. Two of your Democratic primary rivals did. Both were interrupted by Black Lives Matter protesters who asked, as the leader of this nation, will you advance a racial justice agenda that will dismantle, not reform, not make progress, but will begin to dismantle racism, um, structural racism, in the United States? How would you have answered And uh, this was her answer. She says, black lives matter. Everyone in this country should stand firmly behind that. We need to acknowledge some hard truths about race and justice in this country. And one of those hard truths is that racial inequality is not merely a symptom of, of economic inequality. Black people across America will experience racism every day. Since this campaign started, I've been talking about the work we must do to address the systemic inequalities that persist in education and economic opportunity in our justice system. But we have to do more than talk. We have to take action. For example, we should make sure every police department in the U.S. has body cameras. We should provide alternatives to incarceration for low-level offenders. We should invest in early childhood education for every child. We should fight for voting rights and universal voter registration. You will continue to hear me talking about these issues throughout this campaign and pushing for real solutions. Now, overall, I think that this is a good answer. She proposed some really specific policies, um, but I would have taken it a step further. So I would have added that there will be mandatory annual sensitivity training for every single uh, police district. Um, there will be a no-tolerance policy because the uh, the police officer who arrested Sandra Bland actually had a history of racism, and the individual who's investigating the case also had uh, a problem with race issues in the past. So I would say that I would have implemented a no-tolerance policy. You got a history with racism, you can't get hired as a police officer. Now, I would also... Um, would have advocated more stringent psychological screening for police officers to ensure that they don't hold any uh, racist views. So now I would have also specifically stated Sandra's name to really show that she's paying attention. Because what was the main chant of the Black Lives Matter protesters at the NetRuths Nation conference? They were saying to say her name. They want you to say her name. They don't want you to beat around the bush. Um, But overall, this is really great, and I'm glad that Hillary Clinton is also trying to speak on behalf of the Black Lives Matter movement. Look, I disagree with Hillary Clinton on a plethora of issues. I mean, I I disagree with her wholeheartedly on most foreign policy positions. I disagree with her on economic policy. I disagree with her on quite a bit. But look, anyone who's willing to take up the Black Lives Matter cause is alright in my book. Now, Here's the hard truth, though, that I've got to get to. From a political perspective, overall, her policies will do less for African-Americans than Bernie Sanders' policies will. I mean, Bernie Sanders is endorsing things such as the $15 minimum wage, such as universal health care, such as getting money out of politics, youth unemployment, tuition-free college. All of these are really important policies that will significantly benefit non-white communities. Now, I would like Hillary Clinton to really be a strong advocate with respect to economic inequality that does disproportionately impact uh, the Hispanic community, the African American community in the U.S. Now. Again, Bernie Sanders is still going to be the better candidate when it comes to um, non-white issues, when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement, because he's also advocated for demilitarization of the police. He wants real criminal justice reform. So here's the deal bottom line is that this is a fantastic answer i'd like that hillary clinton is taking up the black lives matter cause i would have liked to see her speak at the netroots nation conference because i mean if you're going to support this community then you should be there i mean this is a conference that's tailored to um, minority voters so i would have loved to actually see her be there but again I'll accept this. Anyone who's going to speak out on behalf of Black Lives Matter, they're doing a good thing. It's not just the politically good thing to do, because if you want to win the Democratic primaries, you've got to get uh, the Black Lives Matter voters, because if you get them, you could potentially persuade a lot of other African-American voters. But this is the right thing to do. This is something that's morally just, and this is something that should be done. And I'm glad that Hillary Clinton did it, and I applaud her for it. Donald Trump recently criticized John McCain and called in the question whether or not he should really be regarded as a war hero, seeing that he was captured.
5: He's a, a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I- <sighs>
0: um, so McCain responded by saying, When
5: Mr. Trump said that he prefers to be with people who are, who are not captured, mm-hmm. well the great honor of my life was to serve in the company of heroes. I'm not a hero. But those who are my senior ranking officers, people like Colonel Bud Day, Congressional Medal of Honor winner, those that inspired us to do things that we otherwise wouldn't have been capable of doing, and those are the people that I think he owes an apology to.
0: Now, Sarah Palin had to step in since she's friends with both of them, and she had this to say. I have the good fortune of knowing both John McCain and Donald Trump. Well, Senator McCain dedicated his life to serving our country, and in my humble opinion, the sacrifices made by all ethical service members are heroic. Putting it all on the line to defend freedom is heroic. Now, The Hill explains, Palin described Trump as a hero in another arena, praising his vocal positions on economic issues and illegal immigration, which have seen continued attention since his campaign launch in mid-June. Now, she's praising him on illegal immigration, um, but what she's really doing is praising him for being a racist. That's what she's literally doing because he said that all... Uh, Mexican immigrants are rapists. Now, Eric Bolin recently made the distinction saying, look, what Donald Trump said wasn't controversial because he was speaking about the undocumented immigrants, not the actual Mexican citizens or um, citizens or individuals who uh, immigrate here legally. But even if that was the case, even if he was just specifically referring to undocumented immigrants, that's still controversial to call a whole um, group of people rapists. That's wrong and you shouldn't do it so now sarah palin concludes by saying i leave politics of personal destruction to those on the left and lazy media lapdogs whose only takeaway from any debate is any salacious slip-ups as if they've never wanted to restate something they publicly uttered well here's the thing the slip-ups that you're speaking about They're not really slip-ups. See, Republican policy positions are so controversial that if they aren't laced with doublespeak or if they're not explained in an Orwellian manner, well, then people will actually see them for what they really are, and you'll get backlash for that position. So when people realize that they are harmful, they're going to call you out. And so when you get called out, then you're going to have to backtrack. And this is what happened with Jeb Bush. As you all know, he recently said that Americans need to work longer, and then when he got called out for it, he said, no, 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 no. What I was talking about was that Americans who want to work longer, who are working part-time, should be working more hours. Sure you were. I don't believe you, because you're clearly for the rich, so why would you even care about the middle class or the poor people? So here's the bottom line. Regardless of how you feel about the Vietnam War, you can at least make the case that uh, John McCain was a war hero. I mean, he served his country. He was doing what he thought was right. And he was captured for that. And he suffered from torture. And it was probably the most dramatic thing he's lived through. Now, you can't make that case when it comes to Donald Trump. He was a draft dodger. He's never done anything that's really uh, can be seen as noble. All he is is a loudmouth billionaire who doesn't have a filter. Now, here's here's why uh, Sarah Palin is coming to his defense. Because she wants you to think that people with loudmouths are heroes, because she also has a loud mouth, and she also doesn't have a filter much akin to Donald Trump. So being a racist doesn't make you a hero, Sarah Palin. It makes Donald Trump a villain, and if you're defending him, then you're defending his policies, and that means that you're lumped in with that racist category as well. Donald Trump, is that it again? Just watch.
5: And people said that was tough, but today I got called a jackass by this guy. And Then I said to myself, hey, didn't this guy call me like four years ago? Yes. He called me four years ago, three, four years ago. Lindsey Graham, I didn't even know who he was. He goes, Mr. Trump, this is Senator Lindsey Graham. I wonder if it would be possible for you to call Fox. Because, you know, until I ran, I had that little thing where i do it just for fun. Fox and Friends are so great. Brian and Steve and Elizabeth. They're great people, right? They're great. And he wanted to know whether or not I could give him a good reference on Fox and Friends, okay? He wanted to know. Would I do that? And then, of course, you want to know whether or not he could come and see me for some campaign contributions. And you know, I give to everybody. People say, oh, you gave to the Democrats. Well, of course I do, because I'm intelligent. You gave to the Republicans. You gave to Hillary. You gave here. Of course I do. When I want something, I get it. I was a businessman until a few months ago. When I want something, I give here. And that's part of the problem with our system. Until a couple of months ago, I could have anything, believe me. If a Republican wants, if a Democrat I give. When I need something, I call, hey, hey, oh, Mr. Trump, sir, how are you? What can I do for you? I said, nothing really, be at my wedding, make sure, please, <laughs> okay? Or whatever I want. Part of the problem we have, see, with me, I don't need anybody money. Nobody has to give to me. People are sending me money anyway. I said, you don't have to bother, please. Don't bother, don't give me any, I don't need money. I'm doing it myself. So when people come up to me and they say, Mr. Trump, I'd like you to do this which is good for him but bad for the country, I'll say, I'm sorry, I can't do it, folks. I'm not doing it. I'm only doing the right thing. So, so Lindsey Graham says to me, please, please, whatever you can do. You know what I'm saying? I said, what's this guy, a beggar? He's like begging me to help him with Fox and Friends. So I say, okay, and I'll mention your name. He said, "Could you mention my name?" I said, "Yes, I'll mention. And he gave me his number, and I found the card. It, I wrote the number down. I don't know if it's the right number. Let's try it. 202 228 0292. I don't know, maybe it's, you know, it's 3 4 years ago, so maybe it's an old number. 202 228 0292. So, I don't know, give it a shot. Your local politician, you know? He won't fix anything, but at least he'll talk to you.
0: So now, the one thing that I'll say is that he did give us some really interesting insight into money and politics when he says, look, I'm a billionaire. I can get whatever I want. All I have to do is pick up a phone and call one of these politicians, and they're willing to be at my service right away. And then he says, look, I'm not going to do that. I'm already rich. I have everything that I want. Mm, I probably uh, don't think that's going to be the case because seeing that he is a billionaire and he's a business owner, he's going to want to um, put in place tax breaks and these types of policies that would benefit him more. So don't believe him on that front. But it is really interesting when he discusses money in politics and how it is problematic. Um, he's 100% right um, with respect to that issue. Now, on the issue of releasing Lindsey Graham's phone number, why Why would you do this, Donald Trump? I mean, you're running for president in 2016. You're supposedly serious about this, right? Well, why would you doc drop someone at a conference or whatever? I don't know where he was speaking at, but why would you release personal and private information at a conference? It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Now, Lindsey Graham responded with this video. (laughs)
4: Or if all else fails, you can always give your number to the Donald. This is for all the veterans. So yeah, Donald Trump
0: shaking it up and I love watching it unfold. A gun salesman decided to ban all Muslims from his shop. Here's what he had to say for himself on CNN. Now I have a
6: moral and legal responsibility to ensure the safety of all patriots in my community. And so effectively, immediately I'm declaring Florida gun supply as a Muslim free zone. I will not arm and train those who wish to do harm to my fellow patriots.
7: Andrew Hallinan, the owner of that Florida gun supply store, joins me now. Good morning.
6: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
7: Thanks for being here. So you're standing in front of a Confederate flag. You're banning Muslims who read the Quran from your store. Um, you want to be provocative. Why?
6: You know, the goal of the video was to offend. Uh, it was to offend as many people as I could, quite honestly, so we could start a conversation uh, about the political correctness that has become overly extreme here in the United States and uh, causing loss of life uh, uh, that we could pre- that we could prevent if we um, called. Uh, you know, if we looked at uh, Islam for what it is.
7: Okay, so I'm all for a conversation, right? But you're you're going one step farther. You're banning Muslims who follow the Quran from your store. How do you determine which Muslim who follows the Quran?
6: You know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a pretty unenforceable action, right? I mean, I can't, by law, ask each and every person that comes through my, uh, through my doors what their religious background is. But the ATF expressly, expressly gives me the right and the authority to deny service to anybody that I feel is a threat uh, for any reason. And it happens on a weekly basis that uh, we have people come through the gun shop that they pass their background check, they seem, you know, but they seem a little off. And uh, we, make, uh, we make the determination on a case-by-case basis whether or not we're going to arm and train these people. Uh, because the last thing we want to do is have more loss of life uh, you know, for, for any sort of tragic event.
7: But, but, but mostly, if their last name sounds a certain way to you, that would disqualify them.
6: Well, no. I mean, I mean, you know, you can have the, the first name of Abdul, uh, you know, and and you know, and, and we we're not going to disqualify you, but it will be done on a case by case basis. You know, the broader picture here is that we want to bring light to uh, to Islam's tenets as a whole. We do believe that Islam is evil at its core, uh, and that the Quran is is built to establish a one world order, a caliphate, uh, and and that and, and well- superior. Uh, go ahead.
7: I, I, I'm just saying that, you know, just by the way you're basing on who comes in your store and is, is in his provided service, um, seems off to me. Because for example, Elton Simpson is the name of one of the gunmen who opened fire this summer at the Prophet Muhammad cartoon contest in Garland, Texas. I'll just go down some other names for you of people who've been arrested for attempted terrorism. Alexander Chicolo, David Wright, Nicholas Ravinsky, Elton Simpson, as I mentioned. Hassan Edmonds, Terod Pugh, yeah, Christopher I mean, Cornell. Is,
6: Islamic extremism comes in all shapes and sizes, and we're not going to be able to, you know, just recognize it right off the bat. What
7: about what about mass killers like Dylan Roof? He was a white supremacist. He is no, a white absolutely. Supremacist. And
6: I, I won't arm and train so anybody why, from the KKK. Okay, so you'll or, ban
7: them too? A guy who at, wrapped at, himself in the Confederate flag?
6: Yeah, if I have reason to believe that, uh, that the person is not buying these firearms or getting these trainings to do good in the community or to protect, protect their homes and families from evil people, then I'm not going to sell them firearms, whether that be somebody from the KKK or somebody from, you know, a white supremacy movement or anything like that. But we don't necessarily have to have a sign so, so out that says, no KKK. If, right? if, if, I'm not saying in any way, shape or form that every Muslim is violent at all. Or, or evil at all. The people, that the vast majority of Muslims are peace-loving, you know, uh, normal everyday Americans and, and and people that are not oh. out to seek the jihad. So I'm, I'm not denying guns to Muslims who, who read the Quran. I am denying to uh, guns to Muslims who believe the Quran exactly the way it's written and, and wish to establish a caliphate, a one world order, and kill unbelievers for, un, for, for not believing.
0: Now what really stood out to me was when he said, quote, I'm not saying every Muslim is violent at all or evil at all. The vast majority of Muslims are peace-loving everyday Americans. But you are saying that. You are saying that all Muslims are violent because you said that your story is a Muslim-free zone. You didn't specify whether or not it was certain types of Muslims. You just said all Muslims, including the peaceful ones. Now, what is this really about? Is he worried about terrorism or is this about discrimination? Well, he says, quote, We could save lives by looking at Islam for what it is. Well, then by following that logic, he should have a conversation about Christianity as well. If it was about terrorism, well, he would have to ban Christian right-wingers from his store as well because they're the ones that have carried out the most terrorist attacks on U.S. soil since 2002. Now, here's the chart. Now, between 2001 and 2015, there's been 460 total terrorist attacks. 26, now 30, people were killed by jihadists, whereas 48 people have been killed by right-wing extremists. Here's the chart of that as well. So now... Of course it's the case that uh, jihadism is a problem too but i mean if you really want to tackle the issue of terrorism in the u.s well then you've got to treat right-wing extremist christians in an even-handed way so now what we know is that come on man this is really about discrimination he hates muslims and is probably racist given that most muslims in the u.s are not white now he says that he won't harm and train anyone from the kkk but yet he has a gigantic confederate flag that he was talking in front of So you're touting the KKK flag. So you mean to tell me that you're not going to arm and train them? Come on, come on, get your story straight. So now what's the takeaway? He has a responsibility to not sell guns to anyone that could potentially be seen as a threat. But by generalizing and saying that all Muslims are threats is inherently Islamophobic. And this is really harmful to a community in the U.S. that is already marginalized, that is already discriminated against. Look, I'm an atheist, but that doesn't mean that we should treat religious people Without respect. I mean, look, if a religious person is going to say something homophobic or they're going to do something um, or try to influence policy, then I'm going to have a problem with that. But most Muslims don't do that. Most Muslims are very peaceful, they pay their taxes, and a lot of them are liberal. 43 or 42 percent, I believe, support marriage equality in the US. So, yeah, I don't think that we should just be rude to people and treat them badly if we disagree with them. I think that's wrong inherently. So at the end of the day, he conceded and said, no. I'm not going to not sell guns to Muslims. I'm just not going to sell guns to Muslim fundamentalists. But that's not what you said. If that's what you said, and you had specified that, that you're not going to sell guns to Muslim fundamentalists or any fundamentalists, even Christian fundamentalists, then there would be absolutely no controversy. But since now you're in hot water because of your comments, well, you're going to walk them back. I mean, you were on here acting like a big tough guy, saying this is a Muslim-free zone. But when you get a little bit of controversy, What's going to happen? It's going to affect your bottom line and people aren't going to want to purchase from you. So then you got to backtrack. Well, here's the deal. You shouldn't have said any of these Islamophobic comments to begin with. It's, it's absolutely horrible and it makes you look like a bigot because you are a bigot. So now, look, is it the case that there are Muslim fundamentalists in the U.S.? Well, of course, that was the case with the Chattanooga shooting. But by and large, most American Muslims, most Muslims in the world are peaceful. And a lot of U.S. Muslims are very, very secular. And they don't even advocate for religion and politics like a lot of Christians do. So here's the deal. If you really wanted to stop terrorism, I mean, if this was about ameliorating violence, then you would be treating Christian right-wing extremists in a perfectly even-handed way to anyone else that you would suspect as a fundamentalist. But you weren't doing that you decided to throw an entire group of people under the bus and say that they're all violent. Well, guess what? That's not okay. And yeah, we're gonna critique you for it because that's bigoted and Islamophobic. In an effort to get support from the Christian bigot crowd, Ted Cruz recently coddled a homophobic couple who are being sued for discriminating against same-sex couples. Take a look.
8: Well, I'm here with Dick and Betty Oatgard, and we're talking about their incredible journey fighting to defend religious liberty. I'll tell you, Dick and Betty inspire me. And and I am thrilled to have the chance just to share their story. Um, so tell us about this, uh, this church we're in right now. When did you open it up to hosting weddings?
9: In 2008. 2008, right. Right. We had beautiful weddings in here for quite a few years and they're just gorgeous in here. You can see the ambiance. And, and the, I guess
8: you'd sort of naturally have the flower business would become exactly part yeah, of it the and, yes. and then catering For the reception too. So, we would yeah. do
9: the, the food as well yes. Mm-hmm. So. And then in 2009 the Iowa law changed to include same-sex uh, weddings. Uh, so then in August of 2013 um, these two gentlemen came in and Dick was the one who had to deliver the bad news and they they left we didn't know the very next day mm-hmm. I was on a Sunday uh, we got the news that they were going to probably sue
8: I guess they filed a complaint the day after yes
3: right, right. Okay. and um, and of course it went viral it, 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 it was uh,
9: devastating to hear that we were bigots we were homophobes we were haters
3: hmm.
8: because so, so, you declined to allow this church that you yes, own yes. To and be we were, used we were, to host a, right. a, a, a we wedding group. that's contrary right. to your right.
9: faith. I just kept thinking, they don't know us. How can they be calling right. us right. all these horrible, horrible things when they don't know what's in our hearts? Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. no hatred toward gay. gay people. Mm-hmm.
8: So, so you had been, for a number of years, hosting weddings yep. in, in this historic church. Yep. And as a result of, of this litigation proceedings, you stopped hosting any weddings at all.
9: Right. We right. didn't have a choice. Right. Yeah.
3: And that has been quite painful. And as a result of that, we, we've uh, the business has declined, I and mean, we just can't support it. So mm-hmm. we're in, it within, by the end of August, we'll be shutting our doors.
9: And that is, well, you can understand.
8: Well, you know, I'll tell you, our country was founded mm-hmm. by people who risked everything for religious mm-hmm. liberty, yeah. free of the government getting in the way. And, and, and I want to thank both of you, number one, for taking a stand. But number two, for telling your story. Mm-hmm. Your story is powerful. Your story is inspirational and inspires me. And it inspires millions of believers, believers of many faiths across this country,
4: right.
8: who want to live in a land where we're free to live out according to our faith and our convictions. And it's not second-guessed, by the government stepping in saying, we don't share your faith. That's
9: right.
8: yeah. And we're going to shut you down.
9: Yeah.
8: And you could do
3: that with respect for all.
8: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. just
3: can't. And and what we hope we can do is is um, try to change the course as best we can in the years we have mm-hmm. left. Well, thank thank
8: you for your courage and, oh, and thank, thank you. you for your conviction. It's so nice having thank you here. Thank you, Dick.
7: Thank you. Oh, God bless you. God bless you.
0: Those poor bigots. (laughs) That sad music. That just really touched me. Not really. Okay, look. Let me break it down. They were a private institution, but then they decided to open the doors to the public. When you become a public business, then you now have to comply with state law, and that means, in the case of Iowa, that you can't discriminate against people for arbitrary reasons. One of those reasons is whether or not an individual is gay or whether or not a couple is a same-sex couple. So now they say... It was devastating to hear that we were bigots, we were homophobes, we were haters. I'm thinking, they don't know us. How can they be calling us all these horrible, horrible things when they don't know what's in our hearts? We have no hatred towards gay people. But you just said that you refused service to them. Clearly, you have malicious intent and are um, a hateful person. If you say, um, look, we're not going to serve you in our church and rent out our church to you. Just because you're gay, just because of the way that you were born, just because we disagree with you. uh, That, by definition, makes you a hateful bigot. Now, Ted Cruz responded to this by saying, Well, it's because you refuse to allow this church that you own to host a wedding that's contrary to your faith. Um, Okay, well, maybe you shouldn't open your church up to the public if you didn't want to accommodate all types of people. You see, if you don't want to be called a homophobic bigot, then there's a really simple solution. Don't be a homophobic bigot. It's so simple. I don't don't know why they're so confused. They were legitimately shocked when they found out that they were were homophobic bigots. How? If you say homophobic things and do homophobic things, people are going to call you a bigot. It's so simple. Anyone can comprehend it, except for these people, apparently. Now, let's go ahead and flip it. What if they said that they wanted to deny service uh, to interracial couples? Would we still be giving them the the time of day? Would Ted Cruz still hear them out and play that sad music that really can touch your heart because these poor people, they're the victims. They only didn't want to serve interracial couples. Would we still be saying the same thing? We wouldn't. Look, let's go a step further. What if they didn't want to marry a Muslim couple? What if they didn't want to marry a Jew and a Christian or a Jew and a Muslim or a Christian and a Muslim? These are all arbitrary reasons to discriminate, and they were rightfully sued. Now, anti-discrimination measures, these are important because it protects them too. If a Muslim business owner wanted to discriminate against Christians, or an atheist business owner, or a Buddhist business owner wanted to discriminate against Christians, well then, they would be protected from this law too, because this law protects everyone. You can't discriminate against someone for arbitrary reasons. So, Ted Cruz says, as a result of these litigation proceedings, you stopped hosting all weddings. And they respond, that has been quite painful. Our business has declined, so by the end of August, we'll be shutting our doors well, goodbye, (laughs) don't feel sorry for you. Look, if you want to have the business, you have to comply with a whole plethora of federal and state laws. Now, if you break those laws, your business goes bye-bye. It's really, really simple. So I'm going to try to explain it in a manner that a five-year-old could understand. See, if you want a business, you follow state law. Business law. Business law. If you don't follow the law, you go bye-bye. That's the way that it works. Every single business owner in the country has to comply with their federal and state laws. Now, if you want to live under religious law and deny service to gay people or uh, religious minorities or other types of people, well, then you should probably move to Iran, Saudi Arabia, or maybe even Brunei, because they just recently implemented religious Sharia law. See, If you go and live in those countries, those laws will allow you to discriminate and be a bigot. But you don't want to do that, right? Because really what it's about is your Christian faith. You want to discriminate against everyone else, but you don't want to be discriminated against. Well, guess what? That's not okay. You're a hateful bigot, and Ted Cruz should be ashamed of of himself for coddling this discriminatory couple, and they are rightfully being sued. Scott Walker apparently doesn't know whether or not being gay is a choice.
10: I'm having trouble understanding that what what at the end of the day what
4: is your position
10: I'm not talking about personal protection I'm talking about for me the reason why I have a problem with it is I just think it's whole scouting into a whole larger political and cultural debate as opposed to just say scouting is about camping and citizenship and merit badges and service awards instead of pulling all these other issues out there uh, and I would just hope that they could stay focused on it. that's all
4: so but should there be a ban on allowing well, gay men to, to be scout leaders?
10: That's up to the people who run the Boy Scouts. One thing that people find unique, I guess, whether you like it or not, is I actually answer questions. People answer me a question, uh, I'll answer a well, question. But you're
3: not really answering this. Sure, I said in
10: this case, that's what I thought. I thought the policy was just fine. Okay. I'm saying when I was in scouts, it was fine. But I, you're asking what should the policy be going for? It should be left up to the leaders of the scouts. Do you think that being gay is a choice? Oh, I mean, I think that's that, that, that's not even an issue for me to be involved in. But the, the bottom line is, I'm going to stand up and, and work hard for every American, uh, regardless of who they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what their background, I'm going to fight for people and no matter whether they vote for me not. To
4: act but, on behalf of people is, to do that properly, you have to understand or at least have an opinion on who they are and where they're coming
10: from. But, so, but again, I think in India you don't, mean, don't, no, I don't have an opinion on, on every single issue out there. I mean, to me, that's, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. So I'm saying that from an opinion standpoint, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Uh, And again, I'm focused on things that I do know and what I can work on.
0: So despite the fact that evidence suggests that chromosome XQ28 may predispose someone for being gay, or that when one twin is gay, there's a 70% chance that the other twin may be gay, and despite the statistical correlation between homosexuality and birth order among males, and despite the fact that homosexuality is present in 1500 other species, and also despite the fact that genes are more responsible for determining sexual orientation, whether someone will be right or left-handed he still can't even come up with a logical argument that suggests that being gay is not a choice because scott walker if it is a choice then you got to think did i choose to be straight if so when when did i make the conscious decision to say look here's the deal as of today i'm going to be attracted to the opposite sex when did you make that decision and if you Did want to make that decision. If you did choose your sexual orientation, how would you get your brain to automatically be attracted to the the sex that you want it to be attracted to? It doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, of course it doesn't make sense. Look, here's the deal about Scott Walker. He says in that video that he's going to represent all people regardless of their ethnicity or sexual orientation or whatever, socioeconomic status. But here's what he really wants to do. He wants to get in and represent the Koch brothers because guess what? They're bankrolling his campaign. So, he doesn't even care about his own conservative donors. He doesn't care about anyone but getting in and fulfilling the interests of the Koch brothers. We've seen this with Wisconsin. There was actually a big recall campaign because what he did was he busted unions. He's a big union buster. But why is he a union buster? It's because that's what the Koch brothers wanted him to do. They are right in his back pocket. And really, Scott Walker isn't even a human. He's a puppet for Charles and David Cope, And this is disgusting and is one of the reasons why we need to get money out of politics. But with that being said, I don't think that stating something that's true, which is that being gay is not a choice, would in any way, shape, or form affect the Koch brothers bankrolling his campaign. So you can at least try to be reasonable. But here's the thing. Scott Walker is not reasonable. He has a one-track mind. What he wants to do is appease the Koch brothers. So if they tell him to jump, he's going to ask how high. If they tell him to do something, he's going to say, yes, master, and he's going to do it. So if the Koch brothers tell him, look, Scott Walker, say that being gay say that uh, being gay is not a choice, then he's going to be, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir, I'll do that right away. That's how Scott Walker operates. He's not operating based on logic or reason. He's operating on uh, what the Koch brothers tell him. The physicist Stephen Hawking is pledging $100 million to fund research that would help us answer the age-old question are we alone in the universe so now him and yuri milner a russian technician will oversee this 10 year mission al jazeera explains a team of scientists handpicked by milner will oversee a 10-year search for radio signals that could indicate the existence of intelligent life elsewhere in the universe and they add the scientists said the project dwarfs anything else in the field known as the search for extraterrestrial intelligence globally less than two million annually is spent on seti the advances allow scientists to monitor monitor several billion radio frequencies at a time instead of several million and to search 10 times more sky than in the early 1990s in 10 years with this with his 100 million milner figures scientists can listen for radio transmissions in the milky way galaxy plus the nearest 100 galaxies. So now they state that this wouldn't actually give us information about an alien civilization if they do find one, but it would at least confirm their existence, and this would obviously not allow us to find any primitive life, only the more advanced ones that would be capable of actually putting out radio signals. Scientists say the fact that humans have developed radio signaling makes it a good bet that others may use it as well. Now, this announcement comes just a couple of days before NASA discovered 2.0 with their gigantic Kepler telescope. Using the Kepler telescope, NASA has found Kepler-452b, a rocky Earth-like planet in the habitable zone of a G2-type star, which is the same as our uh, sun. Now, its star is 1.5 billion years older than our sun, so it's a total of 6 billion years old, and it's also 20% brighter and 10% larger in diameter. Now, Kepler-452b is about 60% larger than Earth's diameter. Kepler data analyst Dr. John Jenkins says this is the closest thing that we have to another planet like Earth. Now, here's some concept images of that. So now hopefully Stephen Hawking will scrutinize Kepler-452b in order to see whether or not that actual uh, planet has an alien civilization who is putting out radio signals. So in the end, this is really interesting because if you really want to get individuals interested in astronomy, well then what you've got to do is is you've got to really start asking that question. Is ET out there? What I want is to fund all types of research projects that would go to Jupiter's moon, Europa, and drill into there to see if there's any alien fish crawling around. Or that would go to um, Saturn's moon, Titan, and see if there's any creatures over there as well. Look, I'm all for this. I am a huge astronomy buff, but anything where they actually start talking about discovering alien life or trying to find alien life, it's very, very interesting. And I think that um, this is what's needed to be done. This is what will really hopefully galvanize people and make make them put pressure on their governments to fund this type of research Welcome to the weekly roundup where i go over news stories you might have missed last week at the annual netroots nation conference elizabeth warren gave a really powerful speech regarding the black lives matter movement
4: progressives believe that it shouldn't take a revolution on youtube to drive a revolution in law enforcement It shouldn't take a hurricane in New Orleans or a massacre in Charleston for Americans to wake up to what is happening, what is still happening to people of color in this country. And it sure as heck shouldn't take poll numbers to unite us in our determination to build a future for all of our children. House Republicans may still want to fly the Confederate flag, and Republican leaders make cower in the shadow of Donald Trump, but the American people understand that Black Lives Matter and America is not a country that stands for racism, bigotry or hatred. Yes, this is a moral issue and an economic issue. To build an economy that creates real opportunity, that doesn't lock up millions of our fellow human beings behind bars, and that uses the talents of all our people, America must prove that on equality and justice, the American people are progressives. Even if you're
0: a hateful Confederate flag-touting bigot, this should have happened to you during that speech.
5: the Grinch's small heart. Grew three sizes that day.
0: If that didn't happen, then well, I feel sorry for you. Ted Cruz recently railed against the Supreme Court for mandating that same-sex marriage is a constitutional right. He says, this is the very definition of tyranny, and adds, if any of us believes in democracy and the constitutional rule of law, then whether we agree or disagree with the policy, we should be horrified at the nation that five unelected judges can seize authority from the American people. We did not establish philosopher kings in this country. Hey, Ted, guess what? Marriage equality is the law of the land, whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, then here's my message for you.
9: If you don't like America, why don't you get out?
0: (laughs) Confederate flag supporters decided to march for some reason, and well, they were trolled by a tuba player with some really appropriate music. Stupid looks like here's the deal if you're a patriot and you believe in America Well, then you can't support the American flag and the Confederate flag You have to pick one or the other those flags are mutually exclusive and guess what you guys lost the Civil War get over it You are so dumb. You are really dumb. So here's my message for you again.
3: If you don't like America, then you can get it
0: (laughs) Protesters were also out in full force at Times Square in New York And well, the reason is that they're protesting the Iranian nuclear deal because they think it's gonna be easier for Iran to get nukes. Well, if you actually wanna know about the Iran deal and if you actually wanna read it, you'll see that it makes it a lot more difficult for Iran to actually get a nuke And furthermore, Iran says that they will never pursue a nuclear weapon. They've signed that. It's now codified. What this is, is it's a peace deal. So now I'll show you a video of the protesters, and I also have some fitting music for it.
2: This deal poses an enormous threat, the state of
3: Israel. This deal guarantees an arms race in the Middle East. This deal guarantees more world terror and a less secure
5: world. A lot of damage already, they're going to do more if they have the abilities that this deal gives
0: them.
6: So it's a big danger to all of us. And this
0: is what
4: stupid. Looks like.
0: Well, that's the extent of this episode. I've now got to wrap it up. but before I do, as always, I want to thank my usual viewers who always rate, comment and subscribe. Or who always rate and comment and who are subscribed um more specifically and i also want to welcome all of my new subscribers because a lot of you have been joining the channel and i'm really really grateful to see that and i'm also really happy about all of the overwhelming positivity uh in the comment sections because this is youtube and usually you see nothing but crazy trolls and whatnot but Thus far, I've been pretty fortunate, so hopefully we can continue with that trend. Um, if all my viewers were just comment positively to balance out any haters, that'd be awesome. Um, but anyways, thank you guys for watching. If you made it to this far in the episode, then thumbs up. And uh, just comment down below saying something that makes me know that you made it this far. Say, uh, humanist report. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what that does, but just do it. <laughs> Or, or not. That's stupid. Uh, anyways, I'll see you guys next week.